Good morning and welcome to Horizon Church Online. We are so glad you are watching and worshiping with us today. And we have such a special service lined up for you. It's going to be great. My good friend, Pastor Gerald Waters from Proclamation Community Church in North Philly is going to be speaking for us today. He, Gerald has been such a great friend to me. When I'm discouraged, when I'm facing something hard, Gerald's the guy I call and ask him to pray for me. Because when Gerald prays, God seems to move. He's a man full of wisdom and grace, and I'm so grateful that you get to hear from him today as we continue our series about lament, processing our grief and pain. But I'm also excited this week because we just got permission to return to in-person services on July 12th. I'll have more information later on this week that I'll release in a video about the restrictions and the requirements they want us to impose in order to use their space. But we have a date, so get excited. Start telling people we'll be pushing this date online. And I hope today this service encourages you, inspires you to live and love more like Jesus, and you walk away excited about the week ahead. Let's jump in. Good morning, Horizon Community Church. My name is Pastor Gerald Waters, and I'm the pastor of Proclamation Community Church. And it's such an honor to be able to share the Word of God with you today. I want to give a huge shout-out to my good friend and brother and partner in Kingdom Building, Pastor Alex for allowing me the opportunity to come and to share with you today. Uh, I do have a word from the Lord and I want to start with prayer and then we'll get right into it. Our passage today comes from the book of Lamentations chapter 3 and we'll uh, be looking uh, kind of holistically at um, verses 1 through 26. However, as we go through the passage, I'm just going to get a couple excerpts out of that um, scripture that I think will be helpful for us to be able to navigate through our time and our study as Pastor Alex has so wisely decided to go over the value of lament. It's a crucial thing and it's something that is very valuable for us to be able to, to do and to know how to do and some of the elements involved in doing it. So let's uh, have a word of prayer and let's get into the Word of God. Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you so much for this day. We thank you for allowing us to be able to come before you and to preach your word, to be able to come before your people and encourage them through your word. God, the people have not come to hear from me, but from you. So God, I ask that you lead in God in the way that only you can. Now commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Very recently, my car started to give me some trouble. And I was driving down the street and uh, I would hear this little sound. And so I have a car that when it needs to be beaten, it's never a small bill. And so I always try to avoid a repair for as long as I possibly can. And so the sound that I heard was just bothering me over and over and over again. But I don't know what bothered me more, the sound itself or the prospect of getting it fixed. So what I would do is, instead of listening to the sound, I would roll my window up. Roll my window up, and the sound would go away. 
But lo and behold, every time I wanted to roll my window down to get some fresh air, that sound was still there. And I drove it and I drove it just hoping that it would eventually go away, but it never did. As a matter of fact, it got worse. And I was on my way to the church one day. And right before I got on the highway, a signal came on that said my car was too low to move. And it was because I was ignoring a sound that was telling me something was wrong. But I thought that just by rolling the window up, it would fix itself. The sad reality of it is that is it only got worse. I ended up having to take my car back home and sideline it until I could get it to the garage and, and get it fixed. And it was a rather expensive repair. But the reality was is that, and, and the teaching lesson that I got from it was, you can't ignore things when they are bothering you. Because even though it may um, cost a lot to get these things addressed, they do nothing but get worse and worse and worse. And eventually, you, you have to be sidelined in order for the issue to be addressed. And when I think about the idea of lamenting, the idea of grieving certain things in our life, I think that we all have the challenge of trying to roll our window up. We, we think that it's going to go away and it's just it's an annoying sound and, and one of the reasons why we don't want to address it is because it costs a whole lot to address the things that grieve us in our life. But I made some attempts to avoid having to deal with it because the cost was more than I was willing to pay. However, when I confronted the issue, I was very happy with the results. Today, I want to talk about a prophet named Jeremiah. Prophet Jeremiah had a life full of issues that could not be ignored. Known as the weeping prophet, Jeremiah was called by God to live a life of sorrow and solitude, proclaiming God's truth to a rebellious nation who was under God's judgment. They had been charged and found guilty of sins like apostasy, which is turning away from God, idolatry, which is worshiping false gods, and all-out morality. This no doubt brought a lot of anguish and despair to the prophet's soul. But like Jeremiah, could not just roll his window up and keep driving. Nor can we when we have issues in our life. It was necessary for him to make a pit stop so that God could look under the hood of his pain and give him a much needed tune up. This is why I love the transparency of the Bible so much. Most people view the Bible as primarily rules that are restrictive. But, but Jeremiah's laments highlight the opposite. Stories of Hannah, Elijah, and Jeremiah, and the like show us that the Bible teaches human suffering is not something that God restricts. Conversely, it's something that he permits. Because pain is not a barometer of our faith. Rather, a reflection of our humanity. There are some points in our passage of study today in Lamentations chapter 3 that can serve as roadside assistance for the believer that feels a need to pull over before they, their life fails due to a spiritual mechanical failure. The theme in this chapter, chapter 3 of Lamentation, is seeking peace in the midst of pain. And when looking at this passage, I wanted to highlight a few points. I want to 
to start by just reading verses 1 through 3. And this is what it says. This is Jeremiah the prophet speaking, and he's lamenting to God. But in his lament, he realizes a couple things that I think will be helpful for us to realize as we have permission from God to, to lament and to grieve over the conditions of this sinful and fallen world. Verse number one says, I am a man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. His, his meaning God's wrath. He has driven and brought me out into, into the darkness without any light. Surely against me he runs his hand and again and again the whole day long. First thing I think that we can see in this passage is that God is holy. When it comes to the idea of lamenting and the idea of grieving, it's usually often, well, oftentimes, not usually, but oftentimes, it's sinfully. And it's because of God's response to our sin. God is holy. And because he's holy, he requires a certain standard. Consider what Pastor Don Stewart says as he defines holy. He says, the Bible teaches that God is a holy God. The idea behind the concept of holiness is separation. It comes from a word meaning to separate or to cut off. God is separate or cut off from everything that is sinful. And evil he cannot tolerate. He cannot tolerate sin. So here Jeremiah is in the throes of God's judgment because of his holiness. Brothers and sisters, it's so important to realize that God just cannot tolerate sin. He can't tolerate sin on an individual level. He can't tolerate sin on a communal level. He can't tolerate sin on a collective level. Sin has to be dealt with. And when it's dealt with, it's never a good thing. And one of the reasons why lamenting is so important and why lamenting is so relevant to the human condition is because... God has to deal with us when we sin because he is a father to us, the believer. And it's a form of his discipline. And nobody, when they get disciplined, enjoys the process. Let's listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. It says, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you left, <clears throat> excuse me, if you are left without discipline in which you have participated, then you are an illegitimate child and not a son. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best for them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. The reason why God disciplines us is because he loves us, and his desire is for us to learn from our mistakes. It's kind of like the proverbial smacking your hand after you touch the stool. The purpose of Getting your hands smacked when you touch the stove is not to perpetuate the pain. It's so that you will learn not to make the same mistakes again. 
Oh, brothers and sisters, I want you to know that one of the process of lamenting and one of the reasons why we lament is because we are being disciplined. Because God loves us so much that he is trying to protect us from ourselves. But the process is not good. The process is painful. The process is something that we wish we could avoid. But Romans tells us that God is determined to conform us to the image of Christ. And in, that, and in his conforming process, he has to show us and he has to teach us certain principles that will allow us uh, to be able to grow in grace. Verses 4 through 9, Jeremiah further describes the pain of his punishment. And you can read that on your own, but what, but what you're seeing is, is somebody who is just explaining his pain behind the punishment of his sin. Because we serve a holy God. And since God can't tolerate sin and he knows that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He knows that you, have, you are more than a conqueror through him who loves us. He knows that you have potential. He knows that you have power outside of yourself. So he wants to make sure that you walk in that power and not in the flesh. So the first thing I want you to see is during the lamenting process it's very important to remember that God is holy. But secondly... I want you to remember that people hurt. Oh yeah. You remember when I said the Bible is permissive, meaning it gives you permission? It's okay to hurt. It's okay to hurt. And it's okay to express your hurt. Let's listen to, uh, uh, let's look at, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, verse number 10 through 12. It says this. He is a bear lying and waiting for me. A lion that is hiding. He has turned aside my steps and tore me into pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set me as a target. This is Jeremiah expressing a hurt. He's expressing a hurt because he feels a certain kind of way about the discipline that, he's, that, that he and the city of Jerusalem is experiencing. But when you go through this process, when God is in the refining um, uh, phase of your life, it's okay to express your hurt. Some, for some reason, people think that hurt corresponds with a lack of faith. But I wanted to let you know that it's okay for the believer to experience and express hurt. Jeremiah felt that his suffering was disproportionate to his wrongdoing. And I think that if we're honest, a lot of times we feel like the things that we are experiencing, it feels like God is like a, a bear just lying and waiting for us. Because, because we're hurting. Because we're hurting because we are being stretched beyond capacity that we've never known. And you know if you stretch anything, what it does is it takes it out of the shape that it is and it increases. And in that process, in that increasing process, it hurts. But I, I wanted to let you know and give you a distinction between hurt and anger. Because if you read this particular passage, you say, no, Jeremiah is, is just angry at God. But, I, but there's a difference between hurt and anger, which is important in the lamenting process. Because God gives us authorization to be hurt. But then he also gives us a restriction on how to be angry. There is a practical and biblical difference between anger and hurt. 
The difference between anger and hurt can be distinguished this way practically. According to psychologist Dorian Myers, anger is an appraisal of unfairness and injustice. But hurt is an unexpected and often alongside a perception that your relationship is devalued. The reason why Jeremiah is hurting and the reason why we hurt is that sometimes what we go through feels like it's a devaluing of our relationship with God. We feel like, God, I, I came to you, I put my faith in you, I love you, I want to trust you with all things, and yet I'm going through this. But God understands our hurt. But, he, but, but what he does not desire from us is anger. First we looked at the practical difference between hurt and anger. Now I want to give you the biblical difference between hurt and anger. Anger is allowed with a condition. Ephesians 4, 26 says, Be angry, but do not sin. But hurt is allowed with a comfort. Psalm 34, 18 and 19 says, The Lord is near to the broken heart and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of, out of them all. See, when you're in the process of lamenting, you have to be careful that you don't confuse your you're hurt with anger, or vice versa, you don't confuse your anger with hurt. It's okay for us to be able to hurt. Certain things happen in our life, it's like a sword going through our soul. Certain things make us cry. Certain things cause depression because it's a hurt. Because we are relation, relational beings, and when we feel like our relationship is compromised and that that we are somehow devalued, it hurts in our heart. But I want to let you know, just like Jeremiah found out, you'll find out that it's okay to hurt because God has given you provisions during your hurt. Remember, anger causes you to sin. God says, listen, you can be angry over injustice, you can be angry over, over the, the, the mistreatment of someone else, you can, be, you can have righteous indignation, says, but do not sin. He says, but, but hurting has no condition. You can hurt as much as you want to. And while you're hurting, be assured that you have a comforter and not a condition when you're hurting. Brothers and sisters, Jeremiah here is teaching us. He's showing us that it's okay to express your hurt in whatever language you feel like you need to express it. Whatever way you feel. Here he's saying he feels like God is a bear lying and waiting for him and hiding like a lion. He's feeling these things because his anger, his soul is, is, is experiencing so much anguish. And, and, and this is the beauty of the Bible is that it's, it's showing that this is really how human beings feel. God's saying, okay, you can get it out. You can say it because hurt has to be, hurt has to be let out. Hurt is a form of energy. And remember this, energy is never destroyed, it's only transferred. So if we, don't, if, if, if we don't get our hurt out and that energy out one way, it will come out another. And we don't want it to have catastrophic results. We want to make sure that we process our hurt the right way. So you can say and you can do certain things to express your hurt, but be assured that you're not ignored, that God cares. So first, we see that God is holy. Secondly, in this passage, we see that humans hurt. 
The next thing I want you to see about the human condition is that humans have questions. Verse number 16 through 18 says this. He has made my teeth grind on the gravel and has made me cower in the ashes. My soul is absent of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished, and so has my hope for the Lord. Jeremiah is at a point saying, I hoped in the Lord. I put my faith in the Lord, and this is what, what I get in return. This is what's happening to me. Brothers and sisters, please understand that during the lamenting process, it's okay to have questions about God, but we do not question God himself. It's okay to have questions about God and what he's doing, but we do not question the very character of God himself. Even during our suffering, God is faithful. Even during our suffering, God is loving, and he's merciful, and he's gracious. Those things don't change, and we don't question we don't question his attributes. However, we can ask questions about why things are happening in our life. I know one of the things that growing up in church, people always say, you don't question God. And, and, and the way that that was interpreted is that we, are, we can't ask God questions. We can't, we, we, we just have to suffer and, and, and not wonder why we have to experience those things. But to that person, I asked them, have you read your Bible? Have you seen Jesus on the cross and crying out to his Father and saying, Why hast thou forsaken me? Questions are being asked of God all the time. And it's okay. Because we can ask questions without questioning God. Consider Brother Job. Job chapter 1 verse 22 says, In all these things Job did not sin or charge God with the wrong. Perhaps you're familiar with the story of Job, but Job was a man who suffered great loss. He lost all of his material goods, he lost his family, he lost all of his children, he lost everything. The only person that was left in his immediate family was his wife. And he was a rich man and he had a lot of things and he had a lot of children. And God allowed all of those things to be taken from him. And the whole book of Job is about people trying to answer questions about why he's going through what he's going through. And, and, and inevitably, the reason why they were answering these questions about what Job was going through is because Job had questions. But he never questioned God himself. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than yours. Consider, parents out there, sometimes we make decisions for our children that they just don't understand. We know it's for their good in the long run, and we make decisions that they don't understand because they only see immediate gratification. They only see an immediate response to their requests. But we see things on a long-term basis, and sometimes we have to do things that are preventative care because we know what it's going to turn out to be. Because we're smarter than them. We have more wisdom than them. We have more experience than them. And it's the same with God with us. We are his children. And sometimes decisions are made in our life because God's thoughts are so much uh, higher than ours. 
And his ways are so much higher than ours. And so he makes decisions about our life because ultimately he wants everything to work out for our good. And sometimes we go through certain things and we have questions about why we're going through. But I wanted to let you know, for the believer, there is always a purpose behind the pain. It is likely because he is stretching us to conform to the image of Christ. So the Bible here in Lamentations chapter 3 reminds us that God is holy. Secondly, it reminds us that human beings hurt. Thirdly, it reminds us that humans have questions. But this is where I want to hang my hat. No matter what you're going through, verses 22 through 26 tells us this one important fact. There's always a haven of hope. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're lamenting, no matter what you're grieving, no matter what you're experiencing, there's always that the Bible tells us that he is a strong tower and the righteous run in him and they are safe. There is always a haven of hope no matter what you're going through. Because God has given you permission to process those pains and those hurts. That's the whole lamenting process. He's giving you permission to cry out, to scream, to yell. Even sometimes you, you even get yourself cursing. Whatever it is that you need to do, you do it in order to get it out. But at the end, he reminds us that there's a haven of hope. Let's look at what verse number 22 through 26 says. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Jeremiah is now going through all these emotions, and now he comes to the realization of this one thing. He says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion and my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Whatever you're going through, whatever kind of noise your car is making, whatever thing is bothering you, you can't continue to roll up your window. You have to deal with it. But I want to let you know that, that when you make your pit stop, that the, the garage that you drive your soul into is the very haven of hope that you need. This is what this passage describes. I want, I want to talk about a few key words in this passage that let you know that you always have that haven of hope. Verse number 22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. First thing, you have the love of the Lord. Now, a lot of people get that confused. They say, if God loves me, why am I going through this? If God loves me, why am I having all these challenges? But somebody needs to open their Bible because Romans chapter 5 lets us know what the true love of God is. It says that God demonstrated his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, if you ever question whether God loves you, you never look at your situation, you look at your Savior. He sent his son to die for you with all of your sins and all of your, your uh, mess-ups and all of your transgressions. He still sent his son to die for you. All of those sins that you kind of brushed to the side, all those sins you've forgotten, all those sins that you never want to mention to anybody else, 
God saw them. He was there with you. He saw every one of your transgressions, yet and still he still sent his son to die for you and take the punishment that belonged to you. Oh yeah, that's love. Love is not about um, these situations that we experience on a regular basis. Love is about our eternal life, and God secured that by sending his son. So if you ever question God's love, you've got to go back to your Bible that says, 1 John tells us that, and this, this is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us first, and he sent his son as a propitiation for our sin. The love of God is not wrapped up in having this hunky-dory life. The love of God is wrapped up in the very fact that he sacrificed his son for you so that your sins can be forgiven and that you can spend eternity with him if you put your faith in him. Jeremiah comes to a census and says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. But then he talks about uh, the, the other attribute of God that's so lovely. He says, his mercies never come to the end. They are new every morning. He's talking about the mercy of God. He's saying, I know that I've been through all these things, but it could always be worse. It's never as bad as it could be, brothers and sisters. When you're in the lamenting process and when you are grieving, you have to realize that it's never as bad as it could be. I remember my mom used to always say, she said, I used to get up in the morning and complain about my legs and talk about how much pain I had and how hard it was for me to get out of bed until I got to work and I saw the man with no legs. It could always be worse, but great is the faithfulness and the mercies of God. It says that his mercies toward us are new every morning. Every morning things could be much worse than they are, but his mercies are brand new. I remember hearing one person say that his mercies are so new it still has a tag on it, just like a new shirt. Nobody else has worn it. That's your mercy. It belongs to you. And his mercies are great. And they're new every morning. So Jeremiah had to realize that even though I'm going through all these things and all these challenges in my life, the mercy of God is real. So he talks about in this haven of hope, there is love, there is mercy. And then it says, Verse number 23, B part. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. <laughs> Great is your faithfulness. Do you know about the faithfulness of God? What, what, what they're saying is that God is ever present in our time of need. When we, when we cannot escape trouble, he escorts us through trouble. You see that? God is faithful. And that trouble is going to happen. It's inevitable. We live in a sinful world. We live in a fallen world. And sometimes God allows us to escape the, the, some trouble. And sometimes he doesn't allow us to escape. Yet he escorts us through the trouble. Isaiah 43.2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, I will be with you. They shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Great is his faithfulness. No matter what you're going through, he is with you. And he has his way of no matter uh, to, to, to what he does to his children. 
He has this way that no matter what we're experiencing, no matter, no matter what we're, we're going through, He has this way of letting you know that He's there with you. Of letting you know that you are not forgotten. I want to let you know something, brothers and sisters, before I close. You are not forgotten. God has you on His mind. And so some of us feel like Jeremiah. Jeremiah had a hard job in front of him. He was called to be a prophet. He was called to do something that he first tried to, to avoid doing. He was saying, I'm too young for this. God says, no, I've called you for this. I've equipped you for this. And what he was called to do is to go out and give bad news to a, to a, a nation that was rebellious and sinful. He was God's mouthpiece to go out and share God's dis, uh, displeasure with their actions. God even told Jeremiah he can't get married or have children. He had to live this life of solitude. Jeremiah was like a pariah to the people. They wanted to avoid him. They locked him up on many occasions. He, he just lived a horrible, challenging life, one that none of us would sign up for. Yet in all those things, in the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse Number 23, he can say, great is not faithfulness. That although things are bad, you've been with me the whole time. You've been walking with me. You've been making sure that your angels, you've given your angels charge over me to keep me in all of my ways. You have been blessing me in spite of me. Well, as you know, his faithfulness is great. His love for you is great. His mercies for you are new every morning. But it's okay. It's okay for you to lament. It's okay for you to let it out. But you got to remember that God is holy. But you got to also remember that he's giving you permission to hurt. Yeah, yeah, humans may have questions. But at the end of the day, there is a haven of hope available for you. And that haven is found under the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How do we make sure that we're covered under that blood? Under How do we make sure we have that perpetual haven each and every day of our life? The Bible is very clear. It says, we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. You see, these, these, these benefits apply to Jeremiah because he believed in God. Because he believed that God was a deliverer. He believed that God was a healer. He believed that God was always with him. And my question to you is, what do you believe? Because lamenting is a part of the human condition. But some of us have to lament. And we have to go through this life all by ourselves. It's not true for you. You got a God who's standing by you, who loved you enough to die for you, who loved you enough to get out of the grave for you, who loved you enough to be now be sitting on the right hand of the Father making intercession for you, who loved you enough to go and prepare a place for you, who loved you enough that He's going to come back and receive you unto Himself. Oh, yeah. Because the present sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. And so, yes, you're going to suffer in this life. 
And it's not because God doesn't love you. It's because we are sinners and sinners sin. Sin destroys relationships, destroys community, causes racism, sexism, classism. Sin, sin, sin. But God sent his son to straighten that all out. And one day, when you put your faith in him and you close your eyes for the final time, you'll realize that you'll go to a place where you are left no, uh, where lamenting doesn't exist anymore. The Bible says in Revelation that he's going to wipe every tear from your eye. He's going to make sure that you are living your best life. Your best life is not now. Your best life is when you're with him. And the only way you can get to him is by putting your faith Brothers and sisters, thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to share with you. I just want you to remember that you have permission. You are not restricted to hurt. You have permission to hurt. The Bible says that he's near the broken heart. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The Lord delivers them out of the world. God bless you and thank you so much for your attention today. I pray that you were blessed by this word. Pastor uh, Alex, again, thank you for the opportunity to be able to share with your congregation. Uh, pray, Lord, that I pray that you are blessed. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you and keep you. Love you.